Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, second hour is here on the Wednesday edition. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow here at outkick.com slash watch. Glad you're with us. Earlier uh, today, we see that the NCAA is, well, they're in the crosshairs of another lawsuit. And uh, this time it's with the state of Tennessee and the Commonwealth of Virginia. And it's about name, image, likeness, and antitrust law. And with more, we welcome in Jonathan Scrimetti. He's the attorney general for the state of Tennessee. Thank you for the time. Thanks for having me. So how long have, have you been working on this and, and coming up with a decision to sue the NCAA for, for antitrust? And, and when exactly did Virginia get involved in this process as well? So we've been looking at this issue for about a year generally. Uh, there, was, there was a problem uh, with some enforcement in the wake of prior issues at UT uh, and it's it's public record. I sent a letter to the NCAA telling them we had NIL laws in Tennessee that didn't allow them to give a bull ban uh, for this past season. So this has been on our radar for about a year. Uh, there was a case a couple, I guess a couple months ago now, where we had sued, uh, and it was seven states. It's up to, I think, 11 plus the federal government now. We had sued over the transfer portal and alleged antitrust violations there. This case is basically a parallel to that, but looking at recruitment regulation. Uh, but it's, it's talking about the same sorts of harms to student athletes and prospective student athletes. And it was accelerated by news that there were enforcement actions coming. So Florida State had its issue recently. Uh, we had to work pretty quickly to put this together. Virginia has been a great partner in a number of cases. And when we reached out to them about this one, they were very interested. And I'm very happy General Miares came along on this. Attorney General for Tennessee, Jonathan Scrimetti, with us here on Hot Mike on Outkick. Uh, so I, I'm trying to get the, the understanding of why they're trying to now retroactively go back and enforce things based on where we were in July of 2021 and uh, the NCAA taking a step back. And the fact that, I mean, on, on one hand, they're pointing to a recruiting violation and NIL violation here. Uh, and we have, uh, on the record, Ohio State asking for $13 million to keep players on their current roster. I, I don't know where the, the emphasis is and is not on a daily basis with the NCAA and what power they have to enforce it, given the fact that they didn't want to enforce it in July of 2021. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yeah, I mean, the, the big problem, uh, you know, right from the get-go is these appear to be very arbitrary rules. They've been shifting over the last few years. Nobody really knew what was permitted, what was not. Um, but I do want to emphasize, you know, our case is not about the UT uh, investigation or issue that's been in the media the last couple of days. 
This is on behalf of all student athletes and prospective student athletes across Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And you know, the goal is to make sure that they're given a fair opportunity to get the market value for their NIL rights. And it's very clear from my perspective uh, that the NCAA has a structure that intentionally suppresses what they can get. And so they're out there playing hard and creating the product that's making everybody else rich. And these kids aren't getting fair value for their NIL rights while they're doing it. What do you think is the propensity of the NCAA, or I should say their capacity to fight these types of things? After the Alston case, after the Supreme Court ruling, do you feel like that capacity is diminished from the NCAA, or do you think their resolve is as big as ever when it comes to things like this and when they start seeing lawsuits like yours? My suspicion is they have very deep resources and they will have an exceptionally tough legal team on their side. Um, I don't, I don't see them rolling over. Um, you know, I'm always open to negotiation if there's a productive conversation to be had in any case, but in this one, our expectation is it's going to be a fight. What are they expressly trying to prohibit for the student athlete in the state of Tennessee specifically? So what they're saying is if you're looking to negotiate NIL rights, you can't shop around. You have to decide where you're going to go. Uh, you're not allowed to compare the offers that are on the table from collectives in different places. And what that does is it suppresses the market. So if you're allowed to shop around, you get to understand what different people are going to give you for the NIL opportunities. You can compare them. You can negotiate with them. You can play them off each other. That's just a basic market dynamic that allows the student athletes to maximize the value that they get. And when you say no, you have to commit and then negotiate it's a much different scenario where all they can really do is ask nicely. They don't have a lot of options once they're locked in. And so that lack of choice and that lack of information to make a choice is what the antitrust problem is here. Do you feel like your lawsuit, if, if you win in this lawsuit, does this open up the door to more of a unionization of the college athlete and collective bargaining? Or do you think that if you win this lawsuit, Maybe it keeps things a little bit more of the way we're accustomed to them being in college sports, just with more freedoms for the athlete to bank on name, image, likeness while they're in school. Well, I think unionization is, is uh, not something, well, they're not employees of the universities, and the, the NIL rights are something inherent to each student athlete, uh, not something that, that they're giving up as part of their agreement to play for the school. You know, I think we have a system where there's a lot of arbitrariness, where we've got one monolithic actor. And I know the NCAA says frequently they're just made up of the member institutions and the member institutions tell them what to do. But in putting this case together, one of the things that struck me was how scared people are to talk about it. Uh, they'll talk about it, but they won't talk about it on the record. They don't want anybody to know that they're talking about it. They are terrified of retaliation. And that tells me that there's too much of a concentration of power here and that's what we really need to look at. There have to be structures in place so that there aren't arbitrary enforcement decisions, so that there's due process, that people know what the rules are, that they're given a fair opportunity to be heard on uh, alleged violations. I know there are some proposals in Congress, Congressman Kustoff from Tennessee has one of them, uh, to try to fix this. And ultimately, because the antitrust law is a federal law, it's only Congress that's able to put restrictions in place on what the players are able to do when marketing their NIL rights. Jonathan Scarmetti is the Attorney General for the state of Tennessee. Um, 
the timing of this, you said you've been working for about a year, going back a year or so. Why was now the time? Uh, was it just specifically the timing of what's happening at Tennessee, plus having uh, Governor Lee release a statement? We certainly heard from Chancellor Plowman. Is, is all of that coming together based on the timing, or was this the time of uh, time and place you would you would picked out? So you know, we've been looking at uh, the NCAA issues at a pretty high level of uh, understanding for about a year. The enforcement action against Florida State kicked off, I think, the current timeline, right, where all of a sudden they're taking these NIL enforcement steps that they hadn't taken before, going back and doing the retroactive enforcement. Um, you know, we have a February 7th um, window opening. And so if we're going to make sure that student athletes going into the next year have the opportunity to do the kind of negotiation that's gonna maximize their NIL rights, we have to move quickly. So we've got a temporary restraining order request in uh, that potentially will have immediate impact on that process. And that, that drove the timing here. So in the last 10 or 15 minutes, the NCAA has released a response to your lawsuit uh, against them. I'm gonna read a little piece of this and just wanna get your response to it. This is directly from the NCAA. This legal action, would exacerbate what our members themselves have frequently described as a, quote, Wild West atmosphere, further tilting competitive imbalance among schools in neighboring states and diminishing protections for student-athletes from potential exploitation. The NCAA remains firmly committed to protecting and expanding student-athletes' NIL rights and opportunities. However, our membership has steadfastly supported the prohibition on impermissible recruiting contacts, booster involvement, in recruiting prospects and the use of NIL offers as recruiting inducements. What, what do you make of the NCAA's response? A, a couple quick reactions to that. The first is, um, you know, antitrust law is antitrust law. Whether the members want it or not, student athletes have NIL rights. And until Congress makes different decisions, those NIL rights are theirs to negotiate. And when you have one monolithic entity that's trying to suppress their ability to take advantage of market competition, that's illegal. Uh, the second thing is, I don't want the Wild West. Uh, I don't think anybody wants the Wild West, but what we have now is sort of half Wild West and you know half uh, despotism, uh, where there, there are, from my perspective, very arbitrary decisions made Winners and losers picked with no discernible reason, favoritism, opacity of process. People don't know what to expect. There's a lot of fear out there. Um, it, it is not a good system as it currently stands, and we need to disrupt it if we're going to get to something better. Um, I don't think anybody wants to have you know, purely professional college-adjacent athletics, um, but I think we need something better than we have now. And the current system is actively hurting student athletes, actively depriving them of opportunities to benefit. Well, at the same time, it's enriching everybody else who's involved. And that's just not fair. You know, I think the last few years has really opened everyone's eyes to possibilities and to questions about the NCAA. Your lawsuit is doing a lot of that also. Here's a question I have. Talking about arbitrary things from the NCAA. The term booster, and they use that term here booster involvement in recruiting. Who is to stop anyone that wants to start a business because the NCAA says, well, they're a booster because they went to the school or they have tickets to the school. How can an institution like the NCAA stop anyone from starting a legal business 
that's benefiting student-athletes and benefiting themselves because the NCAA says, well, you're a booster, so you can't. You can't do that in America. How does that work from the NCAA's perspective? Because they've gotten away with it for years and years. I mean, I think the issue now is we've got NIL rights that are very present and legal, and I think 38 states have recognized these in statute. Uh, the old system, the old way of defining booster doesn't necessarily work in the new context. And that's that's the problem. We're taking old rules and we're sort of shoehorning them into a new world with new laws and new expectations, and it's not working. We need to fix this in a systematic way. And the way to fix it is not to arbitrarily drop the hammer on a few programs and hope everybody else snaps into line. That's not fair to the student athletes. That's not fair to the fans. We need systemic change. And until we get there, uh, we're asking for an end to this arbitrary enforcement. We want to make sure that there's a clean sweep. I don't know what the future is going to look like, but it needs to be built on a foundation of fairness and due process in a way that's going to ensure everybody has an equal opportunity to benefit as a student athlete. What is the timeline on, on, on something like this? Just uh, uh, best guess. I know it can take, uh, give or take, uh, certain amounts of time based on the individual case or the individual file. But uh, sure. what are we looking at here? And uh, can the NCAA enforce anything in the meantime? Well, we're going to know that very soon. We've asked for a temporary restraining order before the February 7th window opens up. Uh, so if the court decides to, to resolve that part of it on time, within a week we'll have an understanding of what the immediate enforcement opportunities look like. Now, it, it doesn't guarantee that the rest of the case is going to go the same way, whichever way the TRO goes, um, but that will affect the immediate future. And then, you know, Alston went up to the U.S. Supreme Court. It takes years for a case to get up there. So we could be looking at something that's resolved fairly quickly. We could be looking at something that takes a while to resolve. Uh, Congress could act in the meantime, and that could take care of this. Uh, or there could be some sort of negotiated settlement between a bunch of the different relevant parties. Um, from my perspective, it doesn't really matter how we get there. It doesn't matter how long it takes. The current system is working extremely poorly. Student athletes are not being treated fairly, and we need something better. Jonathan Scrimetti, the Attorney General for Tennessee, uh, with us. Uh, thank you for the time today. And uh, are, will you be responding to the NCAA's response? How, do, how does this go back and forth for a while? How does this go? No, I mean, we, you know, we put the complaint out there in a statement with it. Uh, they're certainly entitled to, to express their opinion on it, but we're going to hash this out in court. We're not going to get in a war of words about it. Yeah. Well, if you'd like to make a response, you can always join the show and, and respond to their response at some point. Seriously, though, There's appreciate the time. I, it, yeah. I know you're very busy today and, and every day. Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate it. Have a great day. Yep, you too. To you. Jonathan Scrimetti there. Uh, Chad, just going back through some of the statement, the response uh, to this lawsuit that uh, the NCAA has has now released, uh, pointing to the you know the member, the 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 university members that have been this goes against what they've wanted, right? Yeah. Well, they there have been uh, administrators, coaches, uh, decision makers, chancellors, presidents, universities, whatever you want to say, governors that have been begging for some some type of leadership from the NCAA. And now they're going to act like this goes against what those people, those institutions have been clamoring for when the governing body wouldn't do anything in the first place. Like to me, this just goes back to them not acting 
and stepping up and doing what they were in enforced and in, empowered in, in, in to do, which was enforce policies, rules, legislation. They couldn't do it here. And I don't know how it goes back to 21, knowing the Austin case, knowing what the Supreme Court in a 9-0 vote said, and how they have all of a sudden flipped the switch and changed their mind on now retroactively trying to come up with guidelines and enforcing certain penalties retroactively on universities. It makes no sense to me why they think they can win that battle now when they admitted they could not literally three years ago. And it, it kind of reeks of corruption. The, the first line, which I left out for, for our attorney general who was joining us, uh, the first line is, while the NCAA generally does not comment on specific infractions cases, it is important to remember that NCAA member schools and conferences not only make the rules, but routinely call for greater enforcement of those rules and holding violators accountable. When it comes to NIL, everyone is a violator because everyone is playing under the same set of rules, which is very loose right now. There yeah. aren't a lot of rules. And there's no structure. Again, I, I, if we're going to, you're going to investigate Tennessee's NIL with Spire and Nico Yamaleava. Tom Marr's statement, and I'm sure there's a contract to back it up that says this guy signed with Spire Sports before he was at Tennessee. There was an agreement right. in place that wherever he went to school, they were going to share in his NIL rights and be an agent for his NIL rights. I mean, I, it sounds like an open and shut case to me. And again, when we're talking about member schools and their desire to see enforcement happen, every, you, could, you could investigate everyone for this. So why Tennessee? I think they miscalculated. I think they thought Tennessee was going to roll over because they did with Jeremy Pruitt, and it's just not going to be the case. And you're not hearing a lot of support of the NCAA from other schools when it comes to this. I really think that they're getting a group that are, that's banding together, NIL collectives, yes. other schools. I'd like to go and see who's on the leadership council right now of schools represented on the NCAA board and see if there's anything – screwy going on there with selective enforcement on who's being investigated and who's not. I mean, you brought up a great one. Investigate Ohio State if you want to investigate someone for illegal inducements with NIL. But I don't care. No one else I, does. Exactly. Ohio State's playing the game at a higher level than everyone else. Nebraska played the game to get Dylan Riola. We all know this and what's going on. It's just very, very odd and reeks of corruption when the NCAA wants to come back and say, well, it's Florida State, Florida, and Tennessee. Really? Really? And, and no one cares right now. There's no true rules. It is the wild, wild west. It needs to be corrected. But it's not the NCAA now to go back and retroactively try to put rules and a pr parameters in place. It's just opening the door for a gigantic mess. Uh, and, and so baseline here they're just trying to protect the billions of dollars that will be funneling to a different location that's what they're doing um and the same the same institution that was begging federal the federal government to come up with legislation for them is now trying to enforce legislation and and proposals retroactively that they're pointing to on capitol hill saying they can't come up with a solution for again I, I can't understand that way of th that line of thinking other than just simply stating they're trying to protect the cash flow and where it's going yeah and that's and it. it it's it, it's just such a miss 
it's a bad message. It's important to remember that the NCAA member schools and conferences not only make the rules, but routinely call for greater enforcement of those rules and holding violators accountable. No one is calling for that right now. Right. They're calling for you to make clear, concise rules regarding NIL. No one wants you to enforce rules regarding NIL right now. I, I don't know of a single person that wants that. They want you to make the rules, not enforce the lack of rules or guidelines you have in place. They want you to create the rule book where everyone knows the score, everyone knows the game, and then if there's violators down the road, then you can go back into your, your guidelines and your book and start enforcing the rules. The rules aren't in place right now. That's the, that's the strangest part about this statement and about what's going on. And, and, and why enforce these rules when it may not be the set of the standard that we have federal legislation decide? Right? Yeah. Because, again, like you've got Charlie Baker, NCAA president. You have uh, President Moorhead at the University of Georgia, who sits as the chair, I believe, on the NCAA board here. Uh, and they're talking with federal lawmakers who have discussed more than a dozen different possibilities for federal bills now that can't decide on anything. But yet this is where they're going to stand and demand that we're going to enforce this and you're going to, you're, you're going to sit back and take it. I, I just don't. I, it, and let's go back to Michigan. Yeah, with that, all that's this, right? They're, so they had a negotiated, uh, what, three-game suspension? No, they were negotiating or, four. They were negotiating four. The, Michigan didn't like it. They agreed to three, or did they go to four? No, so the way it went down, the the, the infractions committee, they they felt like they were being uh, taunted or... Uh, Lied uh, to uh, no, uh, by Harbaugh. Yeah. Uh, Misled. It, yeah, more of a... You're, you're dancing on the fact that you think you're getting away with this. You're negotiating for... We're negotiating with you in good faith, but you're acting like force too much because it's over a hamburger, and we don't normally comment on things, but it's not just a hamburger. Right. So then they tabled it. They were hurt. They, they were tabled being petty it. at that point. Michigan, Michigan. then self-imposed in, self in, in a three-game suspension. That's it. That Harbaugh wasn't in favor of. He was pissed off about it. And But he served it. He served it, and that's where Shrome worked. Uh, and then the later suspension yes. came down from the Big Ten. In a negotiation with Michigan and the Big Ten. The NCAA has done nothing when it comes nothing. to Connor Stallions right now. Nothing. So where's Greg Sankey in all this? That's a great question. Because Greg, as long as the legal Greg's, stuff goes on, nothing's going to happen in Tennessee for years. That's a great question. Or anyone else. But I'd like to hear from Greg Sankey on what he thinks about this NCAA investigation. Well, but I doubt he'll comment because usually he doesn't with NCAA investigations. But if he does nothing, Big Ten got involved with Jim Harbaugh and the Connor Stallion sign-stealing deal. Well, keep in mind, too, around... He could. I mean, Greg Sankey could say, yeah, what's going on here or there in our conference, whether it be Tennessee or Florida, the two being investigated now, well, I'm going to come in and I'm going to step in and do something about before the NCAA. I don't think that's going to happen. I'd like to hear from him on all this, though. His so, thoughts. He is a leader of college sports. So here's what Charlie Baker wants. He wants the federal government, he wants Congress to write a federal law that would make, that would make sure athletes would not be considered employees if the school paid for their NIL rights. He, uh, he and other college sports leaders would also like the government to provide an antitrust exemption to protect them from future lawsuits if they change their rules. So again, like they're, they're trying to protect all the money. And around the same time, the last time they went to Capitol Hill for the hearing, Chad, it was legislative uh, hearing. That's right after we had all of the definitive answers for the uh, 
conference realignment where you had everybody that was going to the Big 12. You had, of course, uh, Washington and Oregon that was that will join USC and UCLA. And we were also discussing what was going on with the ACC. And you had all these conference commissioners and leaders and presidents and chancellors backing what Charlie Baker's doing. Yeah. And in, in the same breath, they're bouncing for more money, more negotiated television money, millions and billions, if you add it up, on the other hand. And it just does not pair up, except for the fact that they want to keep the status quo because they're bathing in billions. And they don't want to give a percentage of that, more than what they're already doing, to the athletes that can earn on the side through name, image, likeness, through boosters who are going through the collective, not the university. That's what ultimately they're trying to, they're trying to cut off the spigot, turn off the spigot to it before, before it continues to grow. And instead of turning off the spigot, they're turning on the flamethrower headed their direction. I think so. But this isn't the first one. It won't be the last, right? No. But I guess it, But the more it happens, I mean, the right. next high-profile program they go after, then now you got their collective and their legal team involved. And you probably get a statement like Tennessee's back to them. And now, okay, now we got more in the fight on this. It's just going to – you're going to continue to add on the enemies list that's going to come after you if you're the NCAA. And it's going to eventually – if you go after enough programs – it's going to speed up the process of you being nothing, especially in college football, where Jan they're going to break away. January 11th, uh, discussing uh, Baker's plan for the, through the Division I Council, um, it was described as a quote-unquote table setter to prompt conversation. I don't think there's much conversation going on. No. Uh, there will be now uh, over more lawsuits that we're seeing now with antitrust. Chad, um, the update on the, the Jackie Robinson statue, which we have uh, through uh, Wichita. Of course, if you missed it, the uh, Jackie Robinson statue stolen uh, by two people in a uh, truck. It was cut off at the ankles. And they were authorities were looking not just for the thieves, but also the, the statue itself, which uh, the community raised $50,000 to erect. And uh, by the way, they will be putting up a, another one. They have... They, they do have the, uh, the ability to do that. They have the mold that still exists from the artist that created this, although he's passed. Uh, so they will be constructing a replacement. But the bronze statue uh, found uh, in a trash can, pieces of it inside of a trash can on fire at another park across town from the park where this was stolen. And they still have it uh, caught those involved the truck was also abandoned. That's on the video as they stole this. But uh, authorities are certainly looking into the uh, factor that could be racially motivated. They're also considering the fact that they were stealing this because of the bronze that is the statue. But again, found in a trash can, cut up into pieces, and lit on fire. It's a, it's a bad story. I, and it doesn't sound like a criminal mastermind here. Uh, let's catch him. Yeah. Let's find, let's find who did this. There's got to be some sort of camera somewhere around that park. Well, they have it on like camera. Catch, they just catch more. I, I would think this is, goes back. I had a primary complaint about this. We can, we can have a camera where you can look into another galaxy, but we cannot have a camera 
for security reasons that isn't like just fuzzy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The pixelation is always bad yeah, you on can't these see security anything. footage cameras. You, you can't make out, you can tell they're wearing a hoodie, but you can't tell, uh, you know, what is this a man or a woman? You have no idea outside of your, your local gas station. This is just one of those uh, in a society type crimes that I feel like, you know, in a good society, you don't hear about just dumb stuff like this that serves zero purpose and remove something pretty cool from a community. I, yeah, I just, I keep asking the question, here. why, like, what would possess someone to do this? It's just dumb. There's no financial gain that I'm aware of. Maybe they were trying to collect the bronze. That's what there's, that, that's there's just no reason. Know. Yeah. They right? don't know. It's, it's just stupid. Someone, you know, it's sad. Carjacks you. It's because they want your car. And they're going to go sell it off for parts or whatever. Someone pickpockets you. They want whatever's in your pocket because they want money. Right. Uh, why? Why is someone sawing a Jackie Robinson statue at the ankles? And then throwing it into a trash throwing can. Throwing it into a trash can, town, burning it Which I'm assuming town. that park would also have a camera, but probably the same version of whatever this park had yeah. in Wichita. Meth must be a hell of a drug. I don't know. Yeah. Never tried it. Uh, again, just sad. Uh, there's the update. Hopefully, they find these these guys. Uh, and it takes less than what it took to find the guy, uh, the the wolf guy, the, the from at Arrowhead, the Chiefs Chiefsaholic. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was on the run for weeks. I don't like. think these people are getting that far. They left the truck. They I left just the don't, truck. Yeah. I don't feel like they have they, a network of people that's going to get them to Chile anytime <laughs> soon. I don't think they're living in Argentina like all the Nazis when they left Germany. I don't think they have some pipeline to get them out of the country where they can't. They're going to a country without extradition right now. I don't think the people behind this crime are that clever to do this. No. They're probably within two miles of that crime right now. They're probably sitting right Let's next to the... canvas the area. Let's canvas yeah. it. Let's go find these guys. Let's do it. Chad, uh, we've got a new head coach for the Seattle Seahawks. It is not Dan Quinn. It is Mike McDonald, who is going to run a different version of a defense that... For the last, what, 16 years? Pete Carroll brought in that defense that has been pretty good. Legion of Boom, among other nicknames for that group, that's been down in recent years. Mike McDonald's now the youngest head coach in the NFL. He's 36 years old. They went from the Seattle Seahawks three weeks ago having the oldest coach in the NFL. They now have the youngest. From 72 years old, Pete Carroll, does it look, it looks 52, to uh, 36-year-old Mike McDonald, who's now with the Seahawks. He started, consider this, Ten years ago, he interned with the Baltimore Ravens. Interned. Prior to that, he was a part of uh, uh, Rick's staff at Georgia, briefly. And uh, most recently, he was the defensive coordinator for Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. The last two years, he's been the D.C. for John Harbaugh back in Baltimore. Now he lands the, the job with Seattle. The first interview took place Tuesday because of the, the postseason run, and they didn't have time to interview him during his bye week because Baltimore had the number one seed. They couldn't make the schedule work or something. But they end up with him, not Dan Quinn, and Ben Johnson returns to Detroit, turning down Washington. I think it's assumed that, oh, he was told he wasn't getting it, so he stepped back. I mean, he's, he's commenting on why he turned down Washington in the commander's gig and why he's deciding to stay with the Detroit Lions, which is a huge win. It won't be... It won't be viewed when free agency rolls around as the biggest acquisition 
of the offseason. But the Lions retaining Ben Johnson for not one but another season after he's been interviewed a couple of different times for head coaching opportunities, that is a huge victory. And Mike McDonald was interviewed for six of the seven job openings across the NFL, the six being Seattle, and he lands it today. I'm surprised by this. I, and I, I thought that we would see Dan Quinn in Seattle, Dan Quinn or Mike Vrabel, and I thought we would see Mike McDonald and I thought we'd see Ben Johnson as the head coach of the Commanders. Have you seen the photo circulating of Pete Carroll when Mike McDonald was born? No. There's a picture of 36 years ago, a picture of Pete Carroll on the Viking staff on the sideline. It's awesome. And it's just, this is Pete Carroll when the new Seahawks coach was born. And he's already got white hair. He's just got white hair on the side at 36 years old. Does he look the same? The times. Oh, he looks great. I mean, physically, he looks the same. Uh, stellar pecs, you know, the yes. arms look good, very fit. Pete Carroll looked exactly the same, just a little, you know, a lot less white, but some white in the sides, like the temples of, of his hair. Um, it's a really funny deal. What are the commanders going to do? So, uh, and, and where is Mike Vrabel, Hutton, in all of this? I don't know. I was told Mike Vrabel was going to be I, the first one to get hired if the Titans let him go. And I do not understand why he's not getting more looks. They had zero. Head I, I agree with you. I mean, he, he had four winning seasons in six years. He went to the playoffs three times. He appeared in the Titans in the AFC championship game. Um, you've got the head coaching experience. There is, uh, it just goes back to, to uh, Josh Harris, the new owner of the commanders. For whatever reason, we haven't heard Vrabel's name at all there. We also haven't heard Belichick's name. And whenever it's brought up, the reports are that Harris doesn't want to go down that path for whatever reason. And the names that they have recently interviewed were Dan Quinn, of course, Mike McDonald, Dan Quinn, Anthony Weaver, who's on the, he coaches the secondary or the linebackers, I believe, for Baltimore, and Eric Bieniemy is the other one that they've they've interviewed. That, that's it of the group that they've circled back to. And I can't help but think, I mean, of course, Ben Johnson is who they zeroed in on and didn't land. I would, going into this process, I had the commanders as one of the best gigs. They have the top money available for the salary cap, number one in the league, flexibility with the quarterback position. If you want to move on, if you want to move up in the draft, whatever you want to do, You've got that opportunity. You can also sign someone, uh, whoever it may be. You can, you can interview for that spot and know that you're going to have some flexibility there. And they also have a new general manager that you would be in lockstep with contractually. That's important. You join the same year he does. And all these coaches are getting six-year contracts. Six-year contract for Dave Canellis in Carolina. Six-year contract for Mike McDonald in Seattle. That's... That's not the norm. You can get security as well. And you're with new ownership who wants to win. He's going to set you up to win. He's going to spend. I don't know why we haven't seen more names and more, uh, I guess, certainty with that job. Because I still think it's a good spot. They, if, were, they were winning seven or eight games. And they were in not just purgatory. They were in hell with their previous it, owner it, and it all feels, the distractions. It feels like a Dan Snyder-led search. Oddly enough, I, I just I, I'm very underwhelmed. Dan Snyder would have just gone out and paid um, exactly. Bill and I, I assume that Josh Harris was going to try to go big with this hire too, but 
They bring on Bob Myers, formerly with the Golden State Warriors. Right. On the they've got their. They just bring him on to say, "Hey, hire Ben Johnson." Oh, he doesn't want the job. Okay, I'm out. I'm, right. I'm, I'm off the committee now. That was my pick for the job. I, it's weird to see what's going on. Yeah, I just uh, Johnson said he was not convinced. Mike Vrabel would turn some heads there. I mean, there's. I know. I hey. I don't. I don't get it. Yeah, it, it's they're going to end up with. Uh, it, it feels like a coordinator from a team in the playoffs. I mean, they could still go back to Detroit with Glenn. I mentioned him yesterday. But all's quiet there is that it's the only job left open uh, with Mike McDonald taking the, the job in Seattle. And they waited and they took their time to interview him. And they yep. still landed. Coming up, the weird headlines. Davey Hudson's got them from here on Hot Mike. Sixth and Peabody, our location. Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow here at Outkick.com slash watch. It's simple to find. Outkick.com slash watch means uh, you can go directly to that page or Outkick.com, scroll up right there at the top, hit the watch tab. Be in a different color soon. Scroll over. You can see everything on demand. It's going to pop. It. It's going to pop right. like this red behind us. See how the red is... Very captivating to the eye. That's what that's going to do on the on the page. Captivating. It captivates me. It put, does. Uh, it, it draws me in. Puts you into a red light. Yeah. The lighting's I, always I'm like an old Jack. school photographer at heart in the the red room. What were those rooms called? Uh, the develop. Colin knows. Dark room. Yes, a dark room. Well, you developed the film. That was like the eighties, nineties movie. Like every type of private investigator. Oh, yeah. Any type of mystery. Hang them. There was always a dark room involved. It was like the investigator going and she's like a hot woman working in the dark room. The investigator comes in and they're, you know, developing the photos together and it's aha. When they finally see the photo, they see something in the background. Chad, I have a feeling that uh, the show's about to get dark. It's time for Let's Get Weird with Davey Hudson. It's, it's Davey. And five, four, three, two, one, zero, talking now. No lies detected. <laughs> Guys. Let's get real dark. It's Davey, after all. Dark I, sense of humor, Davey. This what, one, what country are we headed to now, Davey? I got the same dark sense of humor. I guess technically near Papua New Guinea. Okay. Mm. So one of the bigger mysteries that you know is out there for folklore and has rattled people for years trying to discover what actually happened. We think we might have an answer to what happened to Amelia Earhart and wow. her navigator, Fred Noonan. Yes. So. Okay. We're going on 87 years since she attempted to fly around the world. And obviously, as she was closing in um, on coming back to the States, lost contact. No one ever knows what exactly happened. We now have a team of researchers saying that they believe they have located her plane. And if you look at this, I know it's blurry uh, on the screen, but the researchers believe that, that this is a Lockheed 10E Electra, which is the type of plane that Earhart was flying when she ultimately crashed. Now, I know that's blurry. That's because that photo is uh, taking the scans of something that's 16,000 feet below the bottom, or at the bottom of the ocean. Uh, more clarity there than we have for Bigfoot, so I appreciate that. Uh, more clarity than uh, we have for the security footage of those guys who that's took right. the Jackie Robinson uh, I uh, guess statue so. also, apparently. Or Connor Stallions on the sideline from yeah. Central Michigan. Well. More clarity. Oh, man. Can't figure out who that guy is. I still love how so many so, college football writers like, uh, this is allegedly... Connor Stallions. We think that's Connor Stallions. Even the dude that we have on that covers Michigan that clearly knows Connor Stallions is like, well, yeah, there's a picture out there that might be Connor Stallions. And I'm thinking, might be Connor Stallions? How do you remember our 
interaction with Amelia Earhart oh, back yes. on our old radio show. You guys know Amelia Earhart? Davey, we had a guy who called in who started his call with, have you guys ever heard of Amelia Earhart? And that became a, a favorite drop well, of, of our show. I forget what his point was. Yeah. Did you play it? Like, no? It had a sports tie-in. I don't really remember. We played that a lot, no. though. The guy saying, have you guys ever heard of Amelia Earhart? We'd use different famous historical figures also and ask people if they knew have ever heard of them. You should have just played into it like uh, Jim Downey did with Conan O'Brien about not knowing who <laughs> oh, uh, Jeffrey Epstein man. or all the bad stuff that Jeffrey Epstein had, had revolved around him. But uh, back to the Earhart story. So Deep Sea Vision is the group that believes they have found this plane. And uh, Tony Romeo, not Tony Romo, but Tony Romeo <laughs> is the but CEO. He's better on air, we finally yes. found out what Tony Romo's good this, at, finding uh, Amelia Earhart. He said that they're pretty sure that they can finally bring closure to one of the greatest American stories ever. So I don't, at this time, I don't know if they're going to try to bring the plane up. They did say that with it being 16,000 feet at the bottom of the ocean, the oxygen level would be at a part or at a point to where the plane should still be in uh, good condition if they were to ultimately try to get it up off the ocean floor. See, this is, this don't is send better. Ocean Gate down there. I, I buy the this. Ocean Gate? Ocean Gate, yeah. Is that the one? Yeah. Nailed it. I buy this uh, possibility more than, you know, was it the uh, uh, Mexican uh, search group that provided or, or... Oh, the aliens? The alien thing. Yeah. Mm. Well, they just brought it like in the Mexican Supreme Court is what yeah. it looked like. It's they... amazing that the aliens look just like E.T. <laughs> or, you know, or just like any, show, any human would have showed the carved alien. what an alien would look like. It was exactly just like that. It's miraculous. <laughs> I'm excited about this Amelia Earhart development that Davies alerted us to. Really excited about that Jim Downey, Jeffrey Epstein clip that he played for us, which is amazing. <laughs> Acting like he knew him but didn't know any, any of the news. Um, what happened to the alien stuff? I feel like the alien stuff. We've Someone got a broke photo the rocks. They ET. broke the rock. I mean, look at it. But this should be like every time there's a UFO story, right? I always see the headlines like, "Why is more? Why are more people not talking about this?" And it's something that's been declassified, or it's an Air Force test pilot who's talking about something, and it's they just talk in so much of the affirmative of, "Oh yeah, we see spacecraft all the time that are alien, or aliens have been uncovered in these parts of the world." And then it just goes away. You would think that's going to be the biggest story. It just in the goes world away from, because it, you know, it evaporates. Uh, the, like the, the actual alien being shown is like the COVID of news cycles. Like it's gonna, it's gonna dominate everything if that happens. But yet every time we get these little tidbits of alien life, nothing happens. This, this is like, uh, you know, the, the paintings of the uh, Sistine Chapel, Chad. That year, hundreds of years from now. Because it, was it 1500s or 1600s when the Sistine Chapel was painted? Sure. Uh, we look back on that and just we're in awe, right? Yeah. Uh, this, imagine 600 years from now, someone's going to come across this and be like, this was the discovery. This was the discovery of alien. Or that alien life form comes down to take over the planet. Yeah, the then rock. they find one of their own. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. we didn't know. We, we lost Richard this long ago. I didn't know he was still Richard. hanging around Mexico. Look, they found him. Oh, he was with Daryl. Did you find Daryl? He just went out to grab a bite to eat. And the next thing I know, 200 years pass. And yeah. you know, we live forever on this planet. And we come down to Earth, and there's Richard just hanging out. Have you guys ever thought, so if you look at how Richard. things have been discovered over time. So like, let's take Galileo, for example. Back then, everyone thought that the sun revolved around the Earth. Right. We now know that's not the case. What, what do you think it is right now that we all believe and we just call everyone out for being like, I can't believe you would say something so stupid. 
Uh, and that, like, 300 years from now, they're going to be like, they actually believe that? That's, That's a, a great question. Well, it could, it could be, you know, uh, life on another planet. Yeah. Yeah, but, but it, what, what I find just, just so dumb is that the, those that claim to have seen, you know, aliens or a UFO, is ex- it's drawn up exactly like Hollywood. An alien they've seen in a Hollywood version of yes, it. Yes, or right. in a book, or d- d- described by someone else, and then it's formed in, like... The, I, you know, Men in Black did a better, better version of an alien than yeah. the, this discovery. That'd be amazing if someone was like, I, mean, I saw an alien and it looked just like this cup. Like, totally different than any alien we've ever seen. Right? I might believe that person. Like, you would not believe it. It looked like this tripod camera that's in front of me right now. It's incredible. I mean, just Never seen any life I mean, form like it in my life. It's, it's just a miracle that E.T. showed up in Elliot. stone. Carved in stone. Elliot. Yeah. Well, yeah, you that's guys, ridiculous. You guys <laughs> mentioned yesterday the list of billionaires that like were through the doll. entertainment <laughs> industry. You know, Steven Spielberg and George Lucas are who most people just base their entire idea of what an alien would look like right. around. Yeah. Just these two guys. It's, it's like, amazing that, that right, Spielberg, I mean, he just he was able to dream this up. Here's something else I think about. Like, was it Galileo you were talking about, Davey? Yes. Like, early, early scientists. Yeah. How the hell? Did they figure out any of this? How would you even think about the sun rotating one way or the other? When you go that far back, the amount of stuff people figured out in yeah. primitive times I mean, is remarkable to me that you would even have any concept of it. I think about that. I watch some of these space shows now for All Mankind about- is my latest one. Just the idea of even when we're starting the space program, we're going to send someone somewhere no one's ever been thinking that we know what the oxygen levels are going to be, what gravity is going to be like, and how it's going to be safe for them. And we're going to send you know, life up first, and we're going to send human. That whole process blows my mind that we were ever able to accomplish it. Um, consider Cleopatra lived closer to our time than when the pyramids were built. That is nuts. I was watching a... And um, the pyramid stand, we, the Georgia Dome was torn down 25 years after it was built. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great, great point. I mean, Which are the pyramids of our time, the Georgia Dome, as well, we all again, know, like, the southeast. Nothing's built to last. No, but you're right. Everything was built to last. Well, there was, um, and they built it. That's the other this, thing. They uh, actually built these massive. Uh, going to Rome, it's crazy. Whenever I sit down to eat lunch at home, I watch this uh, cooking travel show. Uh, somebody feed Phil. On Netflix, I'm okay. sure Collins turns, it. It turns into some, it. someone feeds Chad. Well, he was in Singapore and they were eating something that contains arsenic, but okay. if you heat it at a certain temperature and cook it the right way, it's fine. And I forget what it was. But like this actually contains arsenic, and I'm thinking the whole time. And Phil even said it. Who tested this out? Like, how did we find out? Hey, this is straight arsenic, but I think if I cook it to a certain temp, you're gonna be fine. You want to try it? I'm serving this for dinner tonight. Arsenic. Salt. If I if I bake it at 400 for 15 minutes, it's going to be fine. It's going to cook out all the arsenic. Someone had to try that to know you'd yeah. be fine. Well, probably what happened is so arsenic in, in very Test on very prisoners? small amounts. Well, it's like your body. You're not necessarily going to die at first if it's such a small amount. They might have tried it, and then I guess at the next point they probably would have gone to prisoners if it continued to injure those people. The there's the what doc, I'm, I'm, the documentary escapes me, but there's there's ways in which you know you would just slowly inject yourself with poison to build up your resistance. 
Um, Charlie Kelly also did that. So yeah. is, that, is that what happened with the the poison in uh, Breaking Bad? Breaking Bad, but also um, Breaking Bad's poison was ricin. I think is what he yeah. was using. There's a, a that scares the hell out of me when I doctor, see stuff like that. There's a doctor in Ohio amounts. that poisoned his wife doing mm-hmm. arsenic, I, I believe. And was it arsenic or anthrax? I think it was arsenic. Okay, anthrax. I, I think it was arsenic. But also, uh, Chad, you would have um, uh, the new movie with uh, DiCaprio, Killers of the Flower Killers Moon. Flower Moon. Thank you. Yeah, they were poisoning they were, people left and right in yeah. that movie. Yeah, and you, it, you. I guess did she build up immunity? This is a true. You know what I thought story. about when watching. So. Watching that movie, I was thinking about another auteur. I forget who it was. It um, Paul Thomas Anderson that did Phantom Thread, mm-hmm. right? Paul Thomas Anderson, Martin Scorsese, but Phantom Thread with Daniel Day Lewis. That movie's all about poisoning. I, I don't want to spoil anything for it, but it's all about someone being poisoned over and over again. Uh, it's it's about Munchausen by proxy syndrome. Look it up if you never heard of it. But they're the, one of the main characters getting poisoned throughout. I thought about that the whole time during Killers of the Flower Moon. When everyone there is getting poisoned left and right, I was thinking about Phantom Threat. And I'm thinking Scorsese, PTA, film auteurs, obsessed with poisoning. Munchausen, by proxy, also relates to The Sixth Sense, if you've ever seen that film. Well, one of the dead people guilty of this or had this disorder? Um, yeah, well, they watched it on the video, right? Or no? Yeah, there there was the the videotape. The, the, uh, the VHS. Oh, yeah. It was it was the daughter that led uh, Haley Joe Osment to find out that the mom was the one responsible. Spoiler alert! Oh, that's right. The movie came out. That's right. Going on yes. twenty five years ago. So yeah, I don't. I think spoiler alerts. You get what a quarter century. Yeah, is that how that works? Okay. Haley Joe Osment's dead the whole time. There you go. Oh, there's your no, spoiler. No, Bruce Willis is dead the whole time. Oh, that's right. Haley Joe Osment alive. <laughs> hey, that would have been. Six cents two, the kid's dead the whole time. Boy, that's a real dark we, we version of the movie. We find out they both are. Uh, so, what do you uh, just tying it back in? Uh, Amelia Earhart uh, legally dead. There are some that believe that she uh, she was alive after this. Uh, declared dead uh, was the twenties when she was when she thirty seven. Thirty seven. Yeah. Um, would would this plane still be at the bottom of the ocean? The Titanic barely is uh, still uh, visible based on how awful that that is uh, but we, we've seen the decomposition of that well i, I think with just, all the iron and stuff would this plane still be at the bottom of the the, uh, they, of the ocean they're saying because they believe it's so far down that the oxygen is not actually eating away at the plane so that's why they think it's in pretty good shape okay what i i would have to check i can't remember the depth the titanic is at it's deep enough where they, they took a while to find it, right? That's at 12,500 feet. So this, this is, is another 3,500 feet deep. Okay. Davey, what's next? Uh, our next story, this one's actually pretty dark, but, I mean, that's just par for the course. Right. So, I mean, we've hit Munchausen by proxy syndrome. Yes. Yes. Well, I Poisoning. Ki- I killed Haley Joel Osment at yeah. one point. The whole damn segment's been dark, so let's uh, just go and close it out. Overland Park, I got some family out there. Shouts yeah. out. That's uh, a great area outside of Kansas City. Yes. Well, there was a couple that... They've been collecting the retirement benefits of their father for going on six years now. They managed to make $215,000 off of this scheme, uh, but it turns out they just now called and said, hey, he died. Like, we wanted to report that he had died, yet his body has just been in the house for six years, and so now there's been an entire investigation into this, realizing they've just been collecting the checks. I didn't know this. Apparently, the guy had a pacemaker. It showed he died at age 82 back in 20 or 81 back in 2016. 
And then they finally looked it up afterwards. Like, yeah, his pacemaker stopped working in 2016. Well, I mean, they, 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 the hospital facility, whatever, I don't know what company will call and try to get it back whenever, if you have, it goes out whenever you die. Yeah. Like they'll call the family to retrieve said device. It's crazy. Yeah. Prosecutors are saying that. Yes, they didn't do that here. Lynn and Kirk Ritter, they both uh, been been charged in this, but they even didn't tell their own family members that this was the case. They the family members would call or tr- want to speak to uh, Mike, which is the guy who passed away. They wanted to speak to Mike, and they're like, "Ah, oh, he can't talk right now." They managed to keep this going for six years. Well, twenty sixteen, right? Yeah. Well, sorry, the investigation came to a close in twenty. 20- 22 I got you they're now no one cared about Mike even in the local community no one swung by for a visit at any time or did they did everyone else know that he had passed no because he was, he was yes. still in the home friends are like man Mike's in a deep sleep <laughs> over here two years in <laughs> looks a little gray what's going on uh, is this him we got a picture of Mike uh, poor Michael he looks like a really nice man yeah no, but they, they called my uh, my family to get retrieve the uh, whatever device was that also with looks my like, grandfather. Uh, really, the heart, yeah, the heart device. I wouldn't want that that one. I'd say, can you make I me want, a new one? I well, can tell you it works. I would I want get, one that works. When I get my pacemaker, I want I want a new one. Can we show that picture of Mike one more time? This is every living room I ever stepped foot in from eighty six to ninety two. Looks that, like every that grandfather image right too. There. Every grandfather. Yeah. Good Mike. He looks like he's always like going to the fridge to get you a, a soda. Yeah, they just left that him on the bed. That's what's pretty weird about it. They just left him there? Yeah, he's laying on a bed, pretty much mummified. Good I would Lord. say so. All right. No. Let's cleanse our palate with the next weird story, shall we? Yeah, uh, this one. We'll, we'll end on a higher note. So you guys know sometimes when you're driving down the interstate and you see this, the signs, there's sometimes like a little funny uh, slogan that they'll have yes. like, hey, we'll be blunt, don't drive high. Well, apparently they've outlawed... Uh, I'm want to make sure I get the correct organization that's no longer allowing these to take place, but the with the, the funny road sign, so to speak, the U.S. Federal Highway Associ- or Administration released an updated version. They've got apparently like a 1,100-page manual, but they're getting rid of these types of signs, saying that it's a distraction for drivers. I mean... A distraction... Isn't... Uh, I mean, so, I get it. Like if your job is to you want, stop distracted driving or stop you know bad things happening on the highways, you don't want to do something that distracts the driver. But also, the messages have always been made to grab your attention. Yeah. So yeah. I just googled what uh, Tennessee highways for this. Cousin Eddie says Twitter's full. Put down the phone. Mm-hmm. Texting while driving. Oh, sell no. Get your head out of your apps. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. one. Drinking that's, and driving is the path to the dark side. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, but thank you, Andrew Luck. <laughs> nice car to come with a turn um, signal. So they're doing Great away with Andrew these, but they're still going to use the signs for something else? Yeah, I guess just like, hey, uh, there's a wreck at this exit. Right, but that, that would Be distract the, the driver and cause another wreck based on this, this line of thinking. Can we get rid of the commercials of the people who have been deformed in some way from smoking? The anti-cigarette ads? That goes to it. It's like the yeah. woman speaking through her uh, trachea. Yeah, this is Linda. Yeah. She like I'd like yeah. to I'd like to sign a petition to get rid of those. Yeah, she has the voice box. Yeah, but it's always like it's probably what the alien. This is what like. happens to your mouth eventually when you uh, dip. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just That's okay. What... Well, I was enjoying my dinner, but now I'm not. Thank you. We are back at it for the Thursday edition. Hope you'll join us four o'clock Eastern right here. Hot Mike, Hutton Withrow, Outkick.com/slash/watch. <laughs>